say praise the Lord. Let's give our pastor a nice hand tonight. Praise the Lord. Isn't it wonderful to be able to praise him? To be able to love him. To be able to be identified with him in a way that something beyond yourself helps you to guide you toward him. When yourself would have let go and give up and thought, you know, I just don't know if I can do it or not. But it's something beyond yourself. You know, we're living in an age of um, people uh, praising and we have so much about music and church and so much of people praising and praising and praising this and praising that. But once you really fall in love with the Lord and he projects to you his own love and nature, it helps you to praise him and give him thanks in things and for things that really make no sense. To the human mind, you think there's no way out. And yet, there's such deliverance in thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. Well, I guess you know what we're talking about tonight, right? Prelude. It's one thing I like about Brother Homer Longoria. If you'll listen the first five minutes, you get his sermon right there. (laughs) (laughs) Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 8. So they read in the book and the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, which is the Tershatha, and Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet. I don't know about you, I'm glad when I get to eat the fat and drink the sweet. I ain't talking about a big, big pig or something like that. I'm talking about the fat of God's goodness and the sweetness of his word. Because we all know what sweet and sour can be sometimes. But he says, send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be you sorry. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. How many has a need tonight, a request on your heart? You'd like to take it before the Lord. Heavenly Father, we count it such a great privilege that we would be able to gather here tonight, Lord. Dear God, we love you so much. We thank you that we have been called to assemble ourselves together. We know we're living in a time when Christians, many of them, don't even think it's necessary to go to church. They don't think it's even necessary to be identified with a group of believers, but they think they can be just as good a Christian staying home as they are coming to church. Of course, we know our prophet taught us that you cannot do that. 
As a matter of fact, whenever he'd go into cities and have campaigns, and he would tell them people, them converts, now seek you out here a good full gospel church and find you a pastor, find you a church we can go fellowship in and be a part of that assembly. He said, because if you don't, you'll die. It's amazing how that people twist those things around and feel like that they're somehow a little above that, that they don't need it. But we're so glad, Father, that we feel like tonight we are not above your word. We want to fulfill your word. So we count it an honor to be able to assemble ourselves together, to sing, to worship, to clap our hands, just anything we can do in any way, to play an instrument, Lord, to just whatever we can do to be a benefit to the people of God and to you. So, Lord, I pray you would help me that I can get out of the way. Help me, Lord God, that I will just be a human instrumentality that will be surrendered to you. You know the needs of your people. Only you can be able to custom fit this sermon tonight, this service, in a way that will minister to every hungry heart. It would drive me crazy if I would think about tonight trying to help this person in their need and that one in their need and that one in their need. Hundreds just in the visible audience, much less if I knew all those in the invisible. So I figure the best thing for me to do is to leave all that God stuff up to you. And I'll just do what little bit of human part that I can do. And I know, Lord, that you'll do mighty things. Speak to us tonight, Father, from your great word we ask in the name of Jesus. And the saints said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Let's read again tonight, if you would, from the scripture we've been looking at for couple of services on this on Wednesday night. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Well, if Paul would have been writing this in our day, as sad as so many people are, he'd had to say it. And again I say, and again I say, and again I say, and again I say, and again I say. And some folks have thought he's talking in tongues, but he's just simply reminding them, y'all need to rejoice in the Lord. Let's take a little scriptural journey tonight. Now I know that people tell about us that all we do is read quotes from men, and we do. A man called Moses, a man called Joshua, a man called Hezekiah, Zechariah, Zephaniah, Malachi, you know, all of those. But let us take a scriptural journey tonight, and we'll begin in the Old Testament about rejoicing. Now, if the joy of the Lord is our strength, we believe that, do we not? Then truly We must understand why Satan will do everything he can to rob us from that great joy and why it is such an important value to each of us as God's believing children. And even in the day that we're living, do we have lots of things to be sad about? We do. Do we have lots of things to be troubled about? We do. Do we have lots of things to have heartaches and all kinds of difficulties in our life? We do. But if God cannot keep these scriptures about rejoicing, happiness, health, so on and so on and so on, how can I believe 
that he can change my body and take me from a 65-year-old man to being an 18-year-old boy just like that. If he cannot keep me happy, keep me healthy, keep me peaceful in the time of trouble, give me joy unspeakable and full of glory. If he cannot do that, can I trust him for a rapture? Can I trust him that he's gone away to prepare a city whose streets are not made out of concrete or asphalt, but gold? Who has ever seen streets of gold? Who has ever seen a pearl that was so gigantic that each gate is made out of one pearl? Well, I'll tell you one thing, you're gonna have to have faith in a mighty big God. But I believe the God who made those promises is more than willing and more than able to keep every word that he ever said. And there's not one promise that will ever have a deficit. Now, for whatever reason, in your bank account and my bank account, maybe we didn't have the funds figured exactly right, or you'd have made a deposit a little bit late. But you know, at one time or another, you'll be overdrawn, and you know how that is. Boy, that hurts us because they charge us for that check that was overdrawn. But I can guarantee you tonight, you'll never make one check onto the bank of God's great economy to where that you'll ever have one that'll ever bounce. You'll never have one that you'll get a $35 charge or whatever your bank costs charges you for that. Our God has got the funds in the bank, not only in the bank, but in your account. But all we need to do is have faith. Now listen, whenever we have faith, it doesn't mean we'll feel it. It doesn't mean that sensations will run all over us. It doesn't even mean when we pray it in five minutes it'll be done. It simply means you ask it, you keep believing, and God will bring it to pass in his own time. And the church said... Now watch how God giving to the people of God. Now this is strange in the way that it shows up in the scripture because in the book of Genesis and even in Exodus, whenever they go to talking about rejoicing, it's in a very limited way. But when you find that the promise of God is identified with a covenant is whenever it goes to be formed under the ministry of the prophet Moses. When Moses then brings the covenant of marriage. Now listen to me, in the book of Genesis, uh, the patriarchs were not actually joined to God in quite the same way that the lineage of Jacob was. They were called the people of God and the book of Exodus and then they come out by redemption and God was doing a great work for them but still they had not entered in to the blood covenant quite like they were going to as it was 
was under the ministry of Moses. Now we know that God made known the blood covenant to Abraham whenever he showed him and he went into the vision and he saw the animals and the smoke and all of that. But yet we have no record that God actually had Abraham sprinkled by the blood of the covenant in the way that the children of Abraham were under the Mosaic law. So there was, uh, even though it was a merging of one dispensation into another, but yet something happened to the people of the book. And when they become the people of the book, the people of the covenant, then Moses stands there and he takes the blood of the covenant, which was poured into a basin, and he sprinkles it upon the book, and he sprinkles it upon the people. So they are enjoined together in a covenant. Now we have no record that actually nobody actually sprinkled Abraham that way or Isaac or Jacob or Joseph. But so something happened and they were called then the people of God entering into a marriage covenant. Now this is what made the children of Israel whenever God told them that they would be his people and he would be their God. But God also in the book of Deuteronomy he sets forth a dual significance about this covenant. Now he says, if you will obey me, then I will do this and this and this and this. But if you disobey me, then I will do this and this and this. I will curse you. I will do all of these terrible things. Why? Because the covenant enters into a different realm. Why didn't God tell Abraham that? You don't find God mentioning to Abraham, Abraham, if you disobey my word, I'll lead you right back. I'll curse you. I'll do this out of the other. He never said that to Abraham. He never said it to Isaac. He never said it to Jacob. He never said it to Joseph. But you see, under the covenant ministry of a prophet, the people entered into a higher stage of the covenant and they become sprinkled with the blood. And they actually become the betrothed of God in the Old Testament. Now remember God actually called them his wife. Insomuch that in the book of Jeremiah, he said, where is the bill of your mother's, the writing of your mother's divorcement? So God would even call them by a name, Beulah, which was, of course, speaking of the time, but also prophetic. And he would say about them that there were two daughters. One of them was Israel and the other Judah. So God dealing with them as if so they were under a marriage covenant. Now, the Jews to this day, being blinded, of course, by the messianic coming of the Lord Jesus, They still do not understand how that when they forfeited their position of being the wife of Jehovah of the Old Testament, they will never be the wife nation of Jehovah again. Now think of it, that the Gentiles come in and they took that place and they are the bride. Now can a Jew be part of that? Yes, because out of every nation, kindred and tribe will be the bride. But Israel as a nation will never be the wife of God again. Why? They forfeited that right. So the 144,000 that are called in the last day under the ministry of Moses and Elijah, they will not enter into being a part of the bride, but they will be there as servants or as guards around it, not the bride itself. The 144,000 are not the bride. 
And whenever the Israelites that will come and be saved, they are not the bride. Why? They forfeited that because they gave away what God gave them. And God likened them to a newborn. And God said, the scripture that many of you know, what is it, Ezekiel 16, that many people read when someone's got a nosebleed or something like that. And they will read that scripture. And for many, you know, they have faith in it and then the blood will stop. And it's actually where God, it was a parallel of God saying, I found you in your blood. And I said, yea, I say, Leah. And God said, I found you and there was none that loved you. And I, I saw you and none suppled you. And he's talking about the children of Israel in their infancy. Then God likens it to being grown up and becoming a young woman. And God said, whenever I'm the one who salted you, I'm the one who suppled you. I found you in the way. No one else would have anything to do with you. And then when you growed up and your hair growed out and you become a mature woman, what did you do? Then you gave away what I gave you to others. He said, I shod you with the same skin that I wore, the badger skin. And God told all the things that he'd done and then he likened her to a, a whore and a harlot because God had gave her all of this and God gave her a love like none other had received and yet God said what did you do? You opened up your legs to every man that would come by. Now the Bible can be very plain on such. So you see whenever they forfeited that at the end of the Jewish dispensation when the Lord Jesus kept saying these prophetic utterances and he wept over Jerusalem and said Jerusalem, Jerusalem how oft would I have gathered you together as a hen doth gather her brood but now your house is left unto you desolate. Oh my what a sad day it was that day and yet they did not know, they did not comprehend that they was not just missing the Messiah for themselves but forever they were relinquishing the right to be called the bride of Jehovah. And God put her away. Now answering then the seven church ages of the New Testament, the exact same thing happens again. Then in every church age, the bride's message goes out. In that call, there will be foolish virgin that will be called and they will be identified around that message and many of them, if they would have stayed as handmaids to the different types of the Old Testament, to Rebecca and all of them, they would have went in and they would have been accepted. But because they did not do, then they will be judged as being prostitutes in the last day. But God actually brought the children of Israel into this stage of the marriage state, we'll say, of the Old Testament, which could never be a perfect image of the new because we receive a new name, a new nature, and they did not. But yet whenever God had gave this covenant law to Moses, there were certain things now that they were to do, things that was required of them that was not required of Abraham. God never gave the dietary laws to Abraham. God never told Abraham, don't mix woolen and flax in your garment. Don't sow a soy seed over here and then flax over there. Do not sow your seed, your fields with diverse kinds of seed. What is God doing? God is giving to them an Old Testament marriage covenant. 
as I will. In a few days, Lord willing, be sent up here and a young man and a young woman will be exchanging their vows before those of you that will come and witness that. And they will promise before God and before you witnesses, I will do this. Will you do this? Yes, I will. Uh, as long as you both shall live. Yes, I will. Well, this is what Israel promised to do. Where was it? On Mount Sinai. So the covenant was given them. The blood, of course, was sprinkled upon them and upon the book. And they entered into the covenant and they said, we will do all that the Lord has said to do. So then with that covenant come so many laws, dietary laws, closing laws, all of that. But there's also things about worship that God never gave to the patriarchs. Now, this may seem strange to you, but just give me a minute there. Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 12. And ye shall rejoice before the Lord your God, ye and your sons and your daughters and your men servants and your maid servants and the Levite that is within your gates for as much as he hath no part nor inheritance with you. Now, you know, God never tells Abraham to do it this way, but why would he bring it to them? Because now it's a different covenant. Now they are acting as it were a precursor of the New Testament bride. So God wants them to behave as a married woman, which has just now got married. Now if you know anything about the Jewish or the Hebrew marriage ceremony, you know that whenever they would get married, they'd enter in, they'd go underneath the hoopah the last day, and then the man would take the woman in, the marriage would be consummated, the friend of the bridegroom would stand at the door, and the bridegroom would come to the entrance of the door, he would speak to the friend of the bridegroom and let him know the marriage had been consummated. The friend of the bridegroom would make this announcement and after he made the announcement, they would start rejoicing and rejoicing. And then they would have seven days of feasting. The bride and the bridegroom would both become crowned and they would sit in an elevated position now for seven days as they go through this feast. What is it? It is the marriage supper, as we would call today, of the Lamb. So they would rejoice. So you see, whenever we enter into a true marriage with the Lord Jesus, it helps us to understand our rejoicing is just not because everything out here is going well. Because there's many, many things that we really can't rejoice about even to this very day. Our world may be looking at a third world war. I don't know what's going to happen. You don't either. But it makes me feel sad if they stop it today of all that the Ukrainians have been through so far, plus what the Russian people, which do not want a war in the first place, all their economy is going to be right on the bottom as well. It breaks my heart, don't it, yours? And yet to sell that, I can't rejoice in that, but there is a place I can rejoice in spite of everything I'm going through. What is that? In the Lord Jesus. I cannot rejoice in every event that happens and comes my way, but there is a place that I can rejoice in because in in that place, there's no sadness, there's no sorrow, there's no ups and downs, it's all up. There is no black, white, there is none of that sort of thing. It's all perfection, it's all wonderful in Christ Jesus. 
Now, God then wants them. It is not just that God said, now, you know what? I wish that you all would worship me. I really do. I, I just really wish that you all would. But if you don't want to, then, uh, you know, I understand it. Y'all are tired and you're working hard and all of that. But you see, God actually incorporates this into the do's and the don'ts of their covenant. Well, praise the Lord. Notice again in Deuteronomy 16, 11. And thou shalt rejoice before the Lord thy God, thou and thy son and thy daughter and thy manservant and thy maidservant and the Levite that is within thy gates and the stranger and the fatherless and the widow. Oh my, now wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. The widow? The widow who's lost her husband? The fatherless who's lost his father? What would he have to rejoice in? He's rejoicing in the Lord, not in the death of his daddy. Anybody rejoices in the death of their wife, I kind of wonder about them, don't you? Or somebody rejoices in the death of their husband. So you can't rejoice in that, but you can rejoice in the Lord no matter what's going on. But you see, Satan wants to pull us to a place to where that we just about dry up and blow away. Because everything is so bad and things are looking so bleak. And I realize and I agree with you 100%, a lot of things are bad. But everything is not bad. Everything is not bleak. Brother, sister, we are closer to the rapture than anyone that's ever lived on the face of the earth. Is that right? Notice again now, the, the, it will be the Levite, it will be the stranger within thy gates, the fatherless and the widow that are among you in the place which the Lord thy God hath chosen to place his name. Verse 15. Seven days shalt thou keep a solemn feast unto the Lord thy God in the place which the Lord shall choose because the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thine increase and in all the works of thine hands. Therefore thou shalt surely rejoice. Now what you notice now, there's no feeling at all that's mentioned. Now think, they were not living under what we live today to where that there was a feeling. You find me any place in the Old Testament that the Bible says David danced under the anointing. It was all over him. He couldn't even stand still. David danced before the Lord with all of, quote the scripture, his might. Why? He was commanded to do so. Oh, my Lord, some of y'all, I'm sorry you didn't know this was in your Bible. Now, think, this was a command. Why? They were a married people. Well, Brother Donnie, what did they have to rejoice about? Their husband. Now, they were not even married in the sense that we are to our Lord Jesus today because we are even of the same blood that he is. But God told them that they were to rejoice. First Chronicles 16, 9. Sing unto him. Sing psalms unto him. Talk ye of his wondrous works. Glory ye in his holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. 
Now notice, here comes a differentiation between just the physical movement. Now, you know, if you know anything about the Jews, down through the centuries, they dance at weddings, they dance here, they dance there, they dance somewhere else. I realize a lot of us ain't dancers, you know, but the Jews, they still do it today. I mean, they just dance. I saw a thing not long ago, and here was a bunch, thousands of these ultra-Orthodox, and there was an old guy got out there, probably 85 or 90 years old. I mean, he was cutting the rusty. He was just a dancing up and down. Why? Because his law told him to do it. The man was not saved. The man didn't have the Holy Ghost. But you ought to have seen it. Here was a bunch of these younger guys and they just let this guy, I mean, his beard was way down here and he had his curls and his curls was flopping in the wind and he had on his black hat and he got so excited he was kicking up his heels and I thought, Lord, have mercy. If they could do that and they ain't even born again, what ought a Holy Ghost feel? Child of God ought to do in the day that we live in. My, my. But you see, God wanted them to rejoice, not because, as I said, the widow being sad, the fatherless being sad, but they had so much more to rejoice about because of the covenant. Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 43. And that day they offered great sacrifices. Now this is after the portion that we've been reading for a text. And rejoice for God had made them rejoice with great joy. Now I want you to notice how, how this carried on. And the wives also and the children rejoiced so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard even afar off. Can you imagine how they were shouting and rejoicing and the psalteries and the harps and the trumpets and my, just a regular Church of Christ convention, I mean just all the musical instruments and everything that was going on. And there was people way off, way off, Brother Tony, and it was wasn't just the men that was doing the shouting, but the men were rejoicing and the wives were rejoicing and the children were rejoicing. Well, praise the Lord. God had given them a cause to rejoice. Notice Psalms chapter five, verse 11. But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. You say, well, I'm looking for a reason. All right, get your pen and paper out. I'm fixing to carpet bomb you. Let all of those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Anybody here tonight that puts their trust in the Lord? You have got the first reason to rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. Notice here David is not focusing on the circumstances and the events that are happening around it, but even with an Old Testament view. David is saying, let them rejoice because they're in you. Oh, praise God. Psalms 31, 7. I will be glad and rejoice in thy mercy, for thou hast considered my trouble, thou hast known my soul in adversities. Now you see, even in trouble, even in adversity, we've got reason to rejoice because we know the Lord is mindful of us in our trouble. 
Does he always come right away and move our trouble? He does not, but he's mindful of us, and if he's letting us go through it, it is for a reason. It is for a purpose. And somebody said... Psalms 32, 11, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. How many is upright in heart tonight? Then you've got a command from the Bible for you to shout. Well, praise the Lord. Shout for joy, praise God. Psalms 33, 1, rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous. I love this one here. This is one of my favorites. Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. You see, it becomes the upright in Christ. It becomes them. It is their duty. It is their nature. But it's not just a duty that, well, I'm going to do it. I reckon I will. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Keep them, oh, hallelujahs. Jesus don't want them and we don't want them. But what we want is comely praise. Praise that is coming. You see, it become him to take upon us, on himself rather, our sins. It becomes us to take on praise to give back to him for what he did for us. So we don't do it with an attitude. We don't do it with resentment. Would you want his salvation if he said, I really don't like you, Crystal. I really don't care for you, Becky. I really don't care for you, Karen. I don't like you, but I'm gonna die for you. Here's my old salvation if you want it. I don't know about you, I just say, keep it, Jesus, I'll go to hell. Keep your old salvation if that's the attitude you got. Well, that's the way I'm afraid he does us. Well, let's everybody praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Well, let's everybody glorify God, glory to God. But it ought to be becoming to saints. It ought to be so comely to the children of God. Oh my, why? Because of all the mercy they've got from him. All the favors they've got from him. And praise is only becoming to a child of God because they recognize how good he's been to them. Oh, hallelujah. It becomes them to express praise for all the blessings that he's done. Notice Psalms 33, 2. Praise the Lord with harp. Sing unto him with a psaltery and an instrument of ten strings. He mentions these instruments because they were used in public worship and praise in the tabernacle. Well, glory, glory. Psalm 35, 9, and my soul shall be joyful in the Lord. It shall rejoice. Notice what in? Not the stock market, not the price of a barrel of oil, not the price of gas at the gas pump, but my soul will rejoice in his salvation. 
I'll tell you, friends, when you go to thinking about it, you ought to make you a list. If you can't think of enough to praise, to praise him for, you ought to make you a good list and just put it on your smartphone and have a little friendly reminder every day. Praise him for his mercy. Praise him for his kindness. Praise him for his love. Praise him for his forgiveness. I'll tell you what praise will do if you run down that list very far at all and you're doing it with all your heart, you'll find your burden getting a little bit lighter. You'll find the joy, hallelujah, of the Lord in that helping you. Why? The joy of the Lord is your strength. Psalms 40 and 16. Let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad. In what? In thee. Let such as love thy salvation say every now and then, once a month, once a year, twice a year, let's say twice a year, Easter and Christmas. Let them say continually, the Lord be magnified. The Lord be magnified. Let him say it how often? Don't you see David caught this in season thing even before Paul was ever born. Paul said do it always. David said do it continually. Why in the world? There's power in it, friends. There's joy in it. Oh, you may be dry and you may start out and it may feel like a routine, Brother George, initially. But you keep doing it, brother. I'll tell you one thing. Your emotions, your heart, your spirit, all getting together, you'll find out. Praise God, I didn't realize I had so much to be happy for. Well, glory to God. He's been so good to me. He's healed me when I've been sick. He's lifted me up when I've been down. He's helped me when I've been so weary and so sick I thought I was going to die. But he come right on the scene and the devil said, today is your day out. And Jesus said, oh no, it's your day in. It's not your day out. It's your day in. It's your day to experience a miracle. Let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let such as love thy salvation. How many loves his salvation? Let such as love thy salvation say continually, the Lord be magnified. Psalm 68, 3. But let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Yea, let them exceedingly rejoice. Wow. That's two gears of rejoicing, ain't it? My, my. Hallelujah. Let them rejoice and let them exceedingly rejoice. Psalm 68, 4. Sing unto God. Sing praises to his name. Extol him that rideth upon the heavens by his name, Yah. Yah. And rejoice before him. Oh, brother Donnie, I'm not sure I understand what you're meaning rejoicing. Oh, yeah, you, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like people do it a soccer thing or baseball or football. Don't you understand what they're doing when they, ah, 
they're rejoicing. That poor old guy said, <laughs> he lost his bet. His team lost. And the other side is what? Rejoicing. They're happy. Why? They're exuberant. The game went their way. Your grandchild got up there in stickball. He's scared to death. He's like a deer in the headlights. And he hits it, knocks it two foot. You jump out of your skin. Go, honey. Go. Go. People don't have a problem knowing who the family of that kid is. You're sitting there and your grandchild's looking at you and you're going. No, that's the way you do in church. I told her the other day, I said, I believe some folks have the best sleep of their life in the house of God. <laughs> Go ahead, Brother Donnie, I'm with you. Well, you're the only one, son, hang tight. Sing unto God. Sing praises to his name. Exalt, extol him that rideth upon the heavens by his name, Yah. And rejoice before him. Psalm 70 and 4. Let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in what? In thee. And let such as love thy salvation say continue. I know we read it again, but I'm going to read it again. And maybe again. Let God be magnified. Psalms 97 12. Rejoice in the Lord, ye righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. Wow, I mean, so just thinking about it, when you just think, glory to God, he's so good. Well, glory to God. I mean, didn't even do nothing but your mind, hey, you just thought, Lord, you've been so good to me. You're so holy and so righteous. How in the world could I ever stand in your presence? Well, praise the Lord. Glory. Psalms 98.4, make a joyful, joyful noise unto the Lord, all the earths. Make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. Now for those of you that have been to Israel and you see some of these orthodox men, more so the men than the women. The men are on this side of the wall, they have a division there and then the women are on the other side. And when you go up there and they stand there, there's also a little room back away from the wall which I was able to go back in there where they're studying the Torah. And as they're standing up there, they're doing this. And I can't do this long or I'm gonna be sick on a horse. But anyway. They stand up there and they say they cannot read his word without it moving their bodies, stimulating them. You think, and what are they doing? They're not even 
reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're not even reading the book of Acts and Romans and Philippians and Colossians and Thessalonians and Timothy and Titus and Philemon. And they're not even reading the New Testament. They're reading, thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not do this. And shalt, I think, Lord, have mercy. If the law would do that to an old man standing there, what ought it to do to some of you young men, hallelujah, that are filled with the Holy Ghost? If the Old Testament would excite a man's heart, what about the New Testament? Psalms 119, verse 162. I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. Psalm 61.10, or Isaiah rather, 61.10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. Brother, this is enough to have a spell on by itself. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. Joel 2.23, be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. Habakkuk 3.18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Zephaniah 3.14, sing, O daughter of Zion, shout, O Israel, and be glad and rejoice with all the heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. Hallelujah. Oh, notice it's not talking about your taxes going up and down or the price of this or the price of that or the shortage of this. Every one of the rejoicings is in the Lord and in his mercy and in his goodness and in his kindness. Let me tell you something, friend. If he never answers another prayer, if we never feel him again, I've got enough to praise him for. If I live to be 900 years old, I've got enough to praise my God for because he's saved me. He sanctified me. He filled me with the Holy Ghost. He called me to the evening light. I'm still alive. I'm still saved. I'm still so. Oh, hallelujah. I still believe his word right in the middle of hell. I'm still a believer because that's who we are. That's what we do. We believe his word. Matthew 5, 11. Blessed are you and men shall revile you and persecute you. And shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice. Whoa. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Isn't it amazing though how we react to that? 
I mean, we just get down, plumb down if everybody don't love us and if anybody says anything about us, anybody talks about us and mentions our name on Facebook or says this, that, and the other. We're doing the exact opposite of what we ought to do. Why do we do that? Our flesh is negatively, negatively centered towards such. Satan trying to rob us of even this joy, of this joy that we can rejoice. My, they are treating us the way they did Isaiah. They are treating us the way we did our Lord. There's hardly a better compliment that could be given to you. Luke chapter 10, verse 20. Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not, because the spirits were subject to the apostles when they went out to preach. But rather rejoice, because your names are written in heaven. Hallelujah. Rejoice. How long has it been since some of y'all just let out a big whoop and a holler and said, glory to God. My name's written down in the Lamb's book of life. No man can erase it. No devil can erase it. Time can erase it. There ain't nothing can take it out. Hallelujah. It is the Lamb's personal body. That ought to make every one of us rejoice a little bit because our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Romans 5, 2, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. 1 Peter 4, 13, but rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings that when his glory shall be revealed you may be glad also with exceeding joy. Don't you understand? Satan wants to rob us of our deposit. This is our deposit. What what is the real joy of the Lord? What is the real, real rejoicing part? It's a foretaste. It's a little deposit of the eternal glory we're going to get after a while. But many people are just waiting. Well, once this is all over, once this is all done, and and you don't want your deposit now? You you don't want your little deposit so you can enjoy a little dab every now and then? You want to wait till it's all over? Well, I'll be glad when it's all over too, but boy, I'll tell you one thing. I need a little dip every now and then while I'm down here in life. I don't know about you. I need a little bit of joy and a little bit of peace and this and that and the other. And the Lord God and the Holy Ghost gave us a little down payment, a little dip, as it were, into eternal joy. Whenever we experience that in Christ Jesus, that's what you're going to in its fullness. Oh, you see, Christian joy in the Lord, it's not on the things out here. It's not in you. It's when you're up or when you're down or in or out or this one treating you that way, that one ain't been good to you. It, it ain't nothing to do with none of that at all. It's all in Him. It's what He's done. It's what He's doing. It's what He's going to do. That's why it's never affected. If we can ever focus in that direction, no matter what's going on on the outside, Brother Scott, we can always rejoice in the Lord because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Oh. Well, what do you say we focus now a little bit on? Mercy. First Chronicles 16, 34. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord 
You don't need no better reason than this. For he is good. Oh, you say, that ain't very deep. Well, can you ever, ever remember anybody ever telling you the devil is so good? Well, that's sorry. Low down, rotten, conniving, thieving, stealing. Oh, my goodness, what all could I say about him? He ain't good. He's a liar and the father of it. But the Lord God is good. Oh, hallelujah. For his mercy endureth forever. Second Chronicles 5.13. And it came even to pass as the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard and praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord saying, now listen what they were singing, for he is good for his mercy endureth forever. Then the house was filled with a cloud. Even the house of the Lord. Well, I'll tell you one thing, Church of Christ would have a hard time taking this scripture. Of course, they speak when the Bible speaks and silent when the Bible's silent. Uh-huh, I've got a lakefront piece of property I'd like to sell you on the Sahara if you believe that lie. Well, come on now, children. Don't say and look at me, bug-eyed. You talking about worshiping and praising might sound like a convention, didn't it? They had the psaltery, they had the harp, and they was a singing and a shouting and a going on, and they wasn't saying, oh, glory to God, gas prices come down this week. Well, hallelujah. I'll tell you one thing. I've got the IRS paid off. Well, praise God. I'll tell you one food prices is coming down, but they were saying, the Lord God, he is good. He is merciful. He is kind. Where should be the center of our rejoicing and our praise? Not on the price of grocery, not on the price of gas, not on our government, but on the Lord God that liveth forever and ever. I want you to notice it wasn't when they were standing up reading the sacred oracles of God, but when they were singing and praising and rejoicing. Notice what happened. Then the house was filled with a cloud. Even the house of the Lord. When the people were rejoicing. When the people were praising. And ain't no wonder me Satan don't want you all to praise. And ain't no wonder me Satan don't want the bride of the devil to praise and love the Lord. He wants you to come in and say, I'm so burdened and so heavy that the service passes and you think, Lord have mercy. The service is done gone. Oh Lord, I won't be able to get back in church again till Sunday. And I sat here and worried my way through the whole sermon. Don't worry your way through it. Believe your way through it. I, I fretted my way. Don't, don't fret your way. Don't worry your way. Cast your cares on Jesus. Look friend, he's the one who raised the sun in the morning. He's the one that raised the moon tonight. He's the one that'll cause the stars to be out there. He surely he can take care of you and me. But Brother Don, I've got a lot of problems, but you got a lot of God. I've got a lot of big things going on, but you got a mighty big God. I've got some big problems, but you got a bigger Savior. I've got some big heartaches, but you got a bigger God. Oh, hallelujah. You can rejoice in the Lord. Ezra 3.11 and they sang together by course and praising 
giving thanks unto the Lord because he is good. Friends, you don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to understand Greek, Aramaic, Hebrew, diphthong, wathong, no thong. You don't have to be none of that. You understand one thing. He is good. And he's been good to me. You don't need to be a theologian to be able to have something to praise him for. Thank heaven and avoid him by the grace of God. You could be sitting in a Baptist church tonight thinking you was on your way to heaven. You could be sitting in a Catholic church. Oh my, but the Lord has been good to you. And all the people, whoa, all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Now this is before Nehemiah ever gets there to build the wall. Now they're rebuilding the house of God and they just laid the foundation stone. You know, like the apostles. Praise God. And the people were so excited. Look at what they done. They shouted and they screamed and they worshiped God just by laying the foundation stone. Well, what about when the headstone comes crying, grace, grace. Let's thank him a little bit for his kindness. Anybody willing? Psalms 117, verse 1. Oh, praise the Lord, all ye nations. Praise him, all ye people, for his merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. His compassion. Psalms 86, 15. But thou art Lord. Oh Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. Psalms 111 verse one. Praise you the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly. Uh-oh, but you gotta be with them before they can hear you. So David believed in going to church, didn't he? So I will praise the Lord in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. Well, hallelujah. He wasn't tweeting the hallelujah. Come on now, saints. He was right there amongst them. Amen. The works of the Lord are great. Salt out of all them that have pleasure therein. Salt out of all them that have pleasure. The real children of God take pleasure in the works of the Lord. They take pleasure, don't you understand, to the real bride. She takes pleasure in rejoicing before her Lord because she knows this is a validation. Uh, She recognizes her covenant. I am a married woman. I'm not unmarried. I'm not out here looking for a spiritual boyfriend. I am a married woman. I've got a wedding band, a predestinated unmerited grace on my finger. My soul is sealed to the day of my redemption. I've got a husband. I've got a mighty God. I've got a healer. I've got a all glory to God. I can rejoice as a married woman. I'm not looking for 
house. He's gone to prepare one for me. I'm not looking for love. I found true love. And true love found me. I can rejoice in my husband's bounty. Woo! Verse 3, his work is honorable and glorious and his righteousness endureth forever. He has made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Can anybody say amen to that? Psalms 145.8, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. Are y'all running out of things to praise him about so far? Now you imagine when Paul picks this up in Philippians 4, now remember the setting. He's in a Roman dungeon, in a prison. Trouble in the church of Corinth, trouble in the church of Colossae, trouble in the church of Philippi. And yet Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Why? Rejoicing is always in season. I find it so amazing being a deer hunter. I ain't got to hunt in a few years. But I find it so amazing. You see them big bucks walking around? Them big old horns. You'll see them in the subdivisions. You'll see them here and there and there. They're all over trail cams. And it's like they all get a tweet or a text or something. Hunting season starts tomorrow, boys. Oh my, it's absolutely amazing how that works. And, and then you go together and say, well, where did they go? I don't know, Run. look at this trail cam, this trail cam, there's that one, there's that one, there's that one. It's like they know it's season time. But you know one thing it is, they smell hunters, they see hunters, and they know what that means. So oh my, you go out there just the night before season began, there he is out in the clover. I've seen him many a time. Remember the Darren Brother Daniel was out in Kansas several years ago? And we were sitting up on a high place and took our glasses and looking down in that bottom. Oh, my goodness, you talking about slobbering, frothing nearly at the mouth. Oh, we had big plans and we was going to do this and going to do that. Guess what? We never seen them again. Somebody sent them that tweet. It must be nature. I don't know who runs it, but I'd sure like to send them a message myself. I'd sure like to tweet them something. But what is it? Oh, the day before season, you'll get in jail. You'll get your hunting rights taken away from you, plus your gun or your bow, your knife, maybe everything and your boots included. Why? It's out of season. But Paul said, I want you to believers to know praising, rejoicing, thanking God for his mercy, it ain't never out of season. But a lot of us believers think it's out of season when we got trouble. We think it's out of season when we got bad things going on. Brother, it's really in season then. That's when you really need to do it. When you think you ain't got nothing to praise him for because God will give you a victory and you'll be able to Praise your way right out of that trouble, right out of that sickness. Mm. There's never a time, never, never, when you cannot rejoice in the Lord. Psalm 34 1. A psalm of David, when he changed his behavior before 
Abimelech, who drove him away. And he departed. Seems like a strange setting to praise God in. I will bless the Lord. Now I won't ask you to raise your hands if any man of us do this. Some kind after all. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I realize some folks are, are four-barreled mouths. You know, it's like they got four barrels. And they can talk all this different stuff at one time. I'm sorry, I, I'm just kind of a single-shot guy. You know, I'm just, but I've learned this enough to know. You cannot be spending all your time talking about all the things of the world or a bunch of foolishness or a bunch of nonsense and the praise of the Lord coming out your mouth at the same time. So what do we do? We trade off the price of this and the price of that and how bad this is and how bad that is for continually praising the Lord. And then we wonder why we're so sad we talked ourselves right into it. Ooh, that many believes we need to praise him more. Now you notice this is not in church. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Psalm 46, let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let such as love thy salvation say continually the Lord be magnified. Psalm 71, 6, by thee have I holden up from from the womb. Thou art he that took me out of my mother's bowels. This is why we believe when a mother carries this inside of her, it is recognized as alive. Well, praise the Lord. Notice David identifying himself as a living being in his mother's womb. Thou art he that took me, not a jerking, twitching muscle, took me out of my mother's bowels. My praise shall be continually of thee. Oh, how many thanks we can give him thanks. Now for his mercy, his kindness, his grace. Got a few more minutes? First Chronicles 16, 8. Give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Verse 9. Sing unto him. Sing psalms unto him. Talk ye of all his wondrous works. Glory ye in his name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. Remember his marvelous works that he hath done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. Friend, you know what? As I've been studying this in the last few weeks, I've realized it ain't no wonder Satan wants to just so send all of this deluge of information. 
of bad things and sad things and this and that and the others. It overwhelms us, Brother Darrell. It overwhelms us, the COVID news and the mass mandate and this mandate and that mandate and this and that and the other going on. It ain't no wonder Satan wants to bombard us. Why? Because he knows we've only got limited hard drive space up here. Sometimes I feel like mine's way full, don't you? I need to clean some of it out. I need to take this file out and that file out and that file out. Make a little bit more room for continual praise. Psalms 30 and 4. Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. For his anger endureth but a moment. In his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Psalm 92.1, a psalm or a song for the Sabbath day. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High, to show forth thy loving kindness. When? When? How many of y'all start your day with praise? But honey, I'll always wait till I go to bed. So in other words, you missed all day and then the fore part of the night and you thank him when you lay down. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. You missed all day. You ought to start your day off. Praise God. This is a day that the Lord has made. Let us be glad. Let us rejoice in this day. Well, in about a month from now, I want to be able to tell which one of you all was affected by this in a positive way. Because you're going to come to church acting different. Now, for those of you that just nodded your head and said, is he about done? Is he about done? Is he about done? You'll also tell on yourself because you'll come in here. You're going to about that long. Well, I ain't got nothing to be happy for. I'll tell you one thing. It's up to you. I choose to be happy. I choose in the middle of some of the greatest battles I've ever fought in my life. I choose to rejoice in my God. I choose to rejoice in his healing virtue. I choose to rejoice that there is a bridegroom coming for a bride and I'm part of it. Mm. Glory to God. Oh my, to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night. Upon an instrument of 10 strings and upon the psaltery, upon the harp with a solemn sound. Psalms 97 and 12, rejoice in the Lord ye righteous and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. Oh, you say you read that a while ago. No, I didn't, it's a different psalm. You see, David, like some of the other writers, he just got so blessed by it, he said, I'm going to say it again. I'm going to write it again. I'm not just going to say it again. He said, I'm just so blessed, I'm going to say it again. It all, you know why? It does you good. It does you good to hear yourself saying it again. Amen. It's hard on a firecracker in here tonight, ain't it? 
Let me close. I hope the devil's frying down in hell. Yeah. Stand. Ephesians 5, 19. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing. Making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things. Wow. Good way to have an altar call right here. Giving thanks always for all things, catch words, unto God. You see, everything in our life is not always unto God. But those things which are unto God, we can give praise for every one of them. And if you love him right, even when those, some of those things are working and they're difficult. I shared it with you before. I called Brother Charlie Cox several years ago, and we just <clears throat> were close friends. And I called him one day, just talked to him, check on him. I said, Brother Charlie, how you doing today? He said, well, I'm on the bad side of Romans 8.28. <laughs> that meant there's something bad going on. But when you look at it right, he will make all things work together for the good to them who love the Lord. I don't understand why things come sometimes. I don't understand why bad things happen to good people and why seemingly some horrible people never have heard anything bad happen to them their whole life. But I still love him and I still trust him. And I know he's going to work it all for our good. So I can't praise him because of my understanding always. Because sometimes I just don't understand it. Sometimes I look at situations and I just cannot make any sense out of it at all. So if I let that dictate my praise, I will stop praising. I will hold off worshiping until the situation changes. Then when my understanding is more fruitful, oh, hallelujah, glory to God, praise the Lord. But if I understand this right, then whenever those bad things are there or the good things, I can still rejoice in the Lord. Praise God. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Pray without ceasing. In, in everything, not for, but in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God. Friends, this is his word. In everything, in everything, and whatever you're going through, in everything. Give thanks, for this is the will of God. In Christ Jesus, concerning you. I found this statement, I thought it was very interesting. When a person prays without giving thanks, he has clipped the wings of prayer 
so that it cannot rise. When a person prays without giving thanks, he has clipped the wings of prayer so that it cannot rise. Remember when the disciples asked the Lord Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. So you don't start prayer with your list. You start prayer with praise. Oh, if there's emergencies and things like that, sure. But how do you pray when you pray? Do you start at, God, I need this. Lord, I need that. God, I need this. Is that your norm? That's not the pattern that the Lord Jesus gave us. But it was pray without ceasing and in everything give thanks. So Paul here merges them together. Prayer and thanksgiving. Thanksgiving and prayer. I thank you, Father. Notice the Lord Jesus I thank you, Father, that you always hear me. So he started out his prayer with thanksgiving. Praise God. Don't you love him? Oh, I appreciate him. It's the will of God that we find joy in prayer in Christ Jesus through every condition of life. Not in the condition. Joy through prayer in Christ Jesus. But Brother Donnie, when terrible things are happening, yes, you still got something to be thankful for because you have the Lord that you can go to in those terrible times. And other people have the ER and they have shots and they have doctors and boy, I'll tell you one thing, if you're waiting on a doctor in this day and time, it's, it's a mess with all the COVID stuff going on. I don't know how many people at our churches fail right through the cracks on tests and this and that and the other. You never fall through the cracks when you come to the Lord Jesus. Praise God. Let's bow our heads together. You see, holy holy joy implies habitual thanksgiving. This joy that I'm talking about from the heart of believer that's in there because of what they have with the Lord and what the Lord has given to them. It is habitual. Oh my. This holy joy implies habitual thanksgiving. You see them and they ought to be so sad. They ought to be so broken. And yet if you'll talk to them long enough. How you doing brother? Well this ain't good and that ain't good. But the Lord is good. The Lord is mindful. I've got so much to thank him for. Oh, praise God. I know this is not new to many of you, but maybe many of you feel like me, that you just want more of it. How many wants more of it in your life? Maybe we need less time on Fox News and MSNBC and NASDAQ and this and that and the other. And we need a little more time with the Lord, just talking. But Brother Donnie, I, I just can't listen to sermons all day long. I never read one quote tonight about listening to sermons all day long. I never read one scripture. But it was talking about you loving and praising the Lord. Anywhere you are, you can do it. I'm not talking about making an idiot out of yourself. I'm telling you, you're doing it unto the Lord, not for nobody to see you. 
You're not doing it so people will think you're spiritual. You're doing it because you love Jesus. You just love him so much. And you see five minutes there where you can just say, Lord God, you've been so good to me today. Thank you for helping me. Thank you, Lord, for giving me strength through this trial. Thank you for giving me grace, Lord. Oh, that's what he wants to hear from you. You're his wife. Wouldn't it be awful, brothers, if your wife was constantly bragging on men at the church? Wouldn't it be awful, Brother Darrell, if you left after service tonight and Sister Cheryl said, didn't you think Brother Donnie was dressed so handsome tonight? Didn't you think that Brother So-and-so looked so sharp? I thought that tie his and that shirt, and boy, he was just dressed so nice, and, and I just thought he looked so handsome, and he was so nice, and the next service the same way, and the next service the same way. I imagine Brother Darrell thinking, uh, I, I might need to stick home a little more. I might need to come off the field, you know. <laughs> Why? He wants to be noticed by her too. The Lord Jesus just don't want us talking about how bad everything is and how wrong. And we know all of that. Don't you imagine his husband wants to hear from his bride say, Lord, in this time of darkness, I thank you for light. In this time of hate, I thank you for love. In this time when the world don't know what to do, we may be facing another war, Lord. We don't know. Mr. Putin has said he may drag out his nukes. Well, as a bride, we can say hallelujah before one ever hits us. We'll be changed in a moment and a twinkling of an eye. No matter what's going on, we've got things to praise him for, children. Oh, my. Heavenly Father, I ask you tonight, Lord, to forgive me. I'm sure I've missed many opportunities in my walk. Lord Jesus, it was in end of January, 1st of February, somewhere in there, as a 12-year-old boy, whenever I gave my heart to you, and went down to the water there, and they broke the ice and baptized me in titles. So sometime in the last month or so ago, it would have been sort of an anniversary for me of being 53 years of being a Christian. How many days, how many hours, and then 53 years over five decades of being a Christian if I miss time, hallelujah time, and praise the Lord time, and you're so good time. Forgive me, Lord. I can't rewind my life, but I can take the rest of it and make the best of what I've got left. I may have six months, a year. I may have 10 years, 20. I don't know. But help me, Lord, with what I've got to do the best I can. And take all my past mistakes and my failures and let them be dipped in the blood of the Lord Jesus. I don't just pray for myself tonight, Father, but I pray for my brothers and sisters that are here and those that are streaming. I'm sure some of them can think of the years that they've let slip by too. And instead of praising, they complained. Instead of worshiping, they grumbled. 
Instead of saying, hallelujah, he's been so good to me. Saying, when's he going to answer this prayer? How come I'm going through this? Lord, I can see it perfectly. That's exactly why Satan wants to get us to complain and grumble. Because every complaint takes the place of a praise. Every grumble takes the place of a hallelujah. Forgive us, Lord. As your wife, we say tonight, we're sorry. You've been so good to all of us. Lord Jesus, may, may our praise be continual. May the people realize that praise is not just to be something in church. It's to originate out of their life. Then you get a praising people that praise him at home, on the job, in the hospital, wherever they are. You get them people to come together in church. I guarantee you they're going to praise him in the house of God. But if they don't praise you at home, they don't praise you on the job, they don't praise you in life, then when they come to church, they're only acting out what they do in life. They just don't praise you. Help us, I pray, Father. We're a bride. We've got a covenant. We're married to the King of Kings. Every now and then, Lord, Carol will pick up her phone as she did the other day and she texts me and said I, I just want you to know how much I love you what you mean to me how I thank God for you oh that meant so much to me if she'd have took me out to Longhorn and would have shared a, a strip steak together or something like that I'd enjoyed that but I'd have eat that and before long it would have been gone. But Lord, those words meant so much to me. Here we've been married 49 years in a few months. And she still loves me. I'm getting more ugly than I was when she married me. But she still loves me the same. And tells me there's not another man she would want to spend these years with. And I tell her the same. Lord God, I say to you tonight, there is no one I want to spend eternity with. The devil ain't even got an eternity to offer me. Lord God, you're my life. You're my health. You're my strength. You're my love. You're my everything. But I want you to hear me say it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We love you tonight, Father. We worship you, Lord Jesus. Can we just raise our hands, each of you now in your own way. Just make love to Jesus. Don't you understand when the prophet would say that? He said, let's just make love to him. Oh, the Lord spoke something to me this morning. I'm telling you what, it just so blessed my heart. I've got a couple of quotes here that I've been wanting to get to you on the, on the weekend service. And Brother Branham said, that's what the devil is howling about. It's because this revelation is being made known to the bride. And he uses that term several different times in Christ the mystery. Howling. The devil is howling. The devil is howling. And the Lord spoke to me and said, while the devil is howling, the Holy Spirit 
is cooing. I thought, praise God. That's why we're going through what we're going through, friends. It's that old devil, he's howling. He's howling through political leaders. He's howling through sickness. He's trying to howl through cancer and sickness and high blood and this and that and there. He's howling. But while he's howling, the Holy Spirit is cooing. Coo. Coo. Oh, let's shut our ears to them howls of that old devil and his pack of liars. Let's open our ears to the cooing of the Holy Ghost. Oh, Jesus. We worship you tonight, Father. Hallelujah. Can we just worship him? I know you kids have got to work or go to school rather and you got to work tomorrow. But let's just take a few minutes before we go. Let's sit forth in a few minutes standing outside and talking. Let's, let's take them a few minutes and give it to Jesus. If you felt him near you tonight, cooing to you and speaking to you, say, honey, I want you to love me more. Honey, I want you to tell me. When you're driving down the road, turn the newscast down for just a few minutes. And take a few minutes before you get to work and say, Jesus, I want you to know I love you today. I don't want you wondering all day long, Jesus, you're my husband, you're my lover. You're my king, my savior. I love you, Jesus. I worship you. Can we take a few minutes before we go and just whisper to him like a wife? Oh, I love you, Jesus. I love you now more than ever. You saved me. I was lost, Papa. You redeemed me. Oh, glory to God. We worship you tonight, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for being merciful. The kind of day I've had today, Lord, I thank you for being a friend in the time of trouble. Maybe some of these, Lord, have had a terrible day. I think about my brother and friend, Brother Ron Spencer, had a bad day today in his body, being with sickness. Oh, Jesus, I'm sure that you're close to him and near him. Lord, I pray you just put your arms around him. Lord, Erica, having a terrible day today and getting so sick, just so deathly sick, violently, Lord. Vomiting probably 30 times or more, two hours time. Having to take her, Lord, in to the doctor and been so weak, she couldn't hardly even walk to the vehicle. But I thank you that you're near us in times of trouble. No doubt different ones could say what they've been through today. It wasn't a good day. Maybe it wasn't a very happy day. Well, we got so much to thank you for. We love you tonight, Jesus. We thank you for helping us through the hard times. Who would we talk to if you wasn't there? Who would we take our burdens to, Lord? We want you to know we love you. We worship you, Jesus. I wish you was here in a body so I could crawl up to your feet, kiss your feet, 
I could take your feet in my hands, kiss them all over, look up at your precious eyes, grab a hold to your hands. But until that day comes, may your presence just so enshroud this place tonight, Lord God. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, may we sense that you're near, the great lover of our souls. We worship you. We love you. We praise you. We adore you. Hallelujah. 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 We rejoice in God, our Savior. We rejoice in your mercy. In your kindness, in your everlasting covenant. We rejoice in your incarnation. We rejoice in you sanctifying yourself. We rejoice in you giving your life. We rejoice in you raising from the dead. We rejoice in you imparting your life on the day of Pentecost. We rejoice in the evening message. We rejoice in you sending us a prophet to turn our hearts back to the original word. We rejoice because we have a church to go to. We rejoice because we have men of God that tell us the truth. We rejoice because we have singers and songwriters and musicians that use their talent not for country music or rock and roll, but they play for the honor and the glory of God. We rejoice tonight in your presence, O oh Lord. Hallelujah. As Mary said it of old, thousands of years ago, I rejoice in God, my Savior, for I have found favor in his sight. So we stand here tonight as Mary of old and say, we rejoice in God, our Savior, for we have found favor in his sight. We worship you, Lord God. We worship you, Lord God. Sing something for us, Harry. Let us just praise him for just a few minutes. Can we? Before we go, oh, children, has it been good to anybody besides me? Oh, I know it has. Can we just rejoice in his presence? There is none like you. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. No one else can touch my heart like you do. Yes, Lord. I could search for all eternity long and find there is nothing like you. None like you, Jesus.
praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you, saints. Love you in the Lord. I've got a request. I'd like for you to remember Erica tomorrow, if you would. Today, she started the second chemo pill that she takes the last five days of the treatment. And after taking it about an hour, she got really, really violently sick. And uh, Lance had to take her in, had to put her on fluids for, for several hours and still really, really weak tonight in bed, <clears throat> wasn't able to come to church. But they want her to, in the morning, to go to bed in a little different way, take the other chemo first with food and then I'll take her in and then they'll give her the other one while she's there. Uh, you pray with us that the Lord will just help her and it'll, it will go well. This one's the same one that she's taken before and it didn't, uh, didn't affect her this way. The Bible says if they drink any deadly thing, it will not harm them. I believe God, I showed a quote to Carol been a while back, several weeks back, and Brother Random said something like this in praying for people that had cancer. He said, they've not found anything, any medicine that would be able to go to the cell of it and kill it. But he was saying that he prayed that they would. And I told him, to Carol, I want you to read this. It sounds like chemo. And he didn't call the word, but he was praying that they would find something that would go to the cell of it and be able to kill that. Isn't that amazing? Here's a man who the angel of God told him, nothing will stand in your prayer. And what did he particularly mention? Not even cancer. Never mentioned high blood pressure, low blood pressure, pneumonia, on and on and on and on. Why would the angel of God mention cancer? I think of it. How many years ago that this was? But look at the increase of cancer. But our God is still a healer of cancer. We've got people standing right here tonight that's been healed by miracles. So we've come too late. The devil's come too late to tell us God don't do it. So if this is God's way, myself, I would prefer God to perform a miracle and forget all the treatments and forget all the rest of it. But if he has a reason in doing this, then you know what? We will accept it this way. I have confidence in your prayers. Will you join together with us? She's supposed to take this tomorrow through Sunday. So if you'll remember, before we go, I just wonder, I can have each one of you, of course, to do it vocally, but would you have a need or request in your heart you'd like for the saints of God to pray for this week? Would you just raise your hand? Look, children, we may be, we may be looking at a world war. We, the end may be right on us. I don't know. I'm not prophesying. Some of you got husbands that ain't saved. Maybe you got wives. Maybe you got children that ain't in where they need to be. I think we better, we better get really serious with God. Well, Brother Donnie, what if it ain't? Well, if it ain't, it don't mean that they will, they'll live to tomorrow. I think we need to quit playing church, don't you? Quit playing life and get serious with God. Brother Darrell, would you come, buddy? Pray over the people as they go. God bless you. Pray for one another. Remember, remember the request. We have so many. Remember our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. I'm sure you're seeing some of the pictures and things come from there, and I'm hearing from, from many different ones. And for our brothers and sisters, it's so sad what they're going through. So we, we not only want to, want to remember just those who believe like we believe, but there's many, many innocent people there Amen. that are suffering. And not only in Ukraine, but also in Russia. There's many of them that it will be turned against them as well because a man anointed of the devil 
So I know you're praying for them. God bless you. I'll see you Sunday. Amen. Praise the Lord. So grateful for messages like this. It gives us a chance to push the reset button. Do things different in the morning. Amen. We've got a whole lot to praise him about. He's an awesome God who has never failed us. He's kept every promise of his word. What a wonderful God that we serve. To heal us when we're sick, to lift us up when we're down, to correct us when we need correcting, to love us when we need loving, and to take us out of here when we need to go. Amen. Amen. It's just our heads. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just want to thank you tonight from the, from the depths of my heart, Lord, for your word. Father, may I take these things into my life, Lord Jesus, and may my brothers and my sisters here and those, Lord, who are listening, may we take these things, Lord, and use them. Oh, God, may we not just put these things up on a shelf and say, well, that was a wonderful service, and my, wasn't Brother Donnie anointed, but oh, God, I believe you gave it to us for a purpose, Lord. I believe you gave us these instructions, dear God, that we could be stronger for the joy of the Lord is our strength. But, oh God, we can come here and be a mighty force, a mighty army with the strength of the joy of the Lord. And Father, I ask you tonight that you go with my brothers and my sisters as they travel home. Lord, watch over them. God, those that are sick and afflicted, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus by the same anointing that raised my Lord from the grave. May you move, dear God, upon their needs. God, the children, Lord, who are wayward. Lord, our loved ones who need salvation, oh God, we lift them up before you tonight, Father. We ask, dear God, may the Holy Spirit seek them out, Lord. Bring them to the foot of Calvary where the bleach of the blood can cleanse them, Lord, we pray. Oh, Father, I ask you, Lord, to be with our brothers and our sisters in Ukraine. And I saw that picture today of those little children in the basement. My heart just broke, Lord. Oh, God, may your angels encamp about them, Lord Jesus, and keep them safe, Father. And God, may you do something miraculous there in the country of Ukraine, dear God, and your children around the world, those that are hungry tonight, God, and those that are weary, Lord, may you go to them. I pray, Father God, and strengthen them, Lord and lift them up Father oh God there's a great day coming for your people Lord at the manifestation of the third pool we believe these things dear God we accept it tonight and we receive it Lord and by faith we write out our check Lord and send it into heaven for every redemptive blessing Lord it's something that we're not going to receive someday it's something that we already possess dear God and may we use these things Lord that you've given us for your glory granted tonight Lord I pray may there be a shout in the camp because the king is in the camp may there be joy dear God because we rejoice in the God of our salvation who is mighty in battle Lord as I heard your prophet say you've seen him as a healer now watch him as a warrior oh God you will fight for your people and we thank you for it Lord God go with your people now Lord thank you we ask dear God that you strengthen brother Donnie re renew his strength Lord and Father, may you just touch Sister Erica, God. Grant it, Lord, I pray. God, others, Lord, who's... <laughs> may you just do something wonderful for them, Lord, we pray. We'll be careful to give you the honor and the praise and the glory. For we ask these things in Jesus' name.
Amen and amen. Oh, we love you, Lord. We lift our voices unto you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. I remember years ago when Jessica was hurt and we was in Chattanooga they had a rocking chair in the room and I asked if I could hold her just a little thing she had tubes in her arms tubes in her nose a tube in her stomach a tube in her bladder and I held her in my arms she couldn't talk she couldn't see but I remember singing this song in moments like these I sing out a song. I sing out a love song to Jesus. I remember the day we come home and the Lord had touched her and gave her back to us. The news people were there. Some of you were there when everybody left. We closed the door and we was home after 67 days. I took her in my arms and I sat in the chair. I begin to sing in moments like this. Because you see, whether we're shouting the victory or whether we're in a battle, the song is always the same. There is no God like our God. God bless you, saints. May you go in the fear of the Lord. Sing something, brother. Hallelujah. God bless you, saints. Oh, don't you love him? Isn't he wonderful? <laughs> Magnify the Lord with me. to 
taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, blessed is He who hides in Stands here.
You're dismissing the fear of the Lord if you want to go. Oh, isn't he wonderful tonight? Amen. Sing it. Can we worship him just a minute more? Oh, it feels so good. What an awesome God we serve. The more I seek you, the more I find you. The more I find you.
Hidden glory. 